Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show, and thank you for tuning in. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a board-certified integrative holistic health energy and sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 425,000 audio books and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energy awareness. You know, this past year, our entire planet has experienced so much loss. And with that, there has been and continues to be tremendous grief. For far too long, we've treated grief as a problem to be solved. It's not a problem, and it doesn't need to be solved. Rather, it is a process with no time frame and no right or wrong in the way we each individually, or even together as a collective whole, face our losses and begin to heal. So my guest this evening, who we are still waiting to call in, and I'm really hoping she will, is Claire B. Willis, a clinical social worker who has worked in the fields of oncology and bereavement for more than 20 years. She's the co-founder of the Boston nonprofit Facing Cancer Together, and she's led bereavement, end-of-life support, and therapeutic writing groups. She has co-taught Spiritual Resources for Healing the Mind, Body, and Soul at Andover Newton Theological School, and she maintains a private practice in Massachusetts. As a lay Buddhist chaplain, she focuses on contemplative practices for end-of-life care. And for the past five years, she has been a student of Koshin Paley Ellison, who is a founding teacher at the New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care. She is the author of Lasting Words, A Guide to Finding Meaning Toward the Close of Life, and she is the co-author with Marnie Crawford Samuelson of Opening to Grief, Finding Your Way from Loss to Peace, which is going to be our topic for discussion this evening. So I'm going to play another song for you while I wait for her to call in and try to locate her myself. So bear with me for a few moments, and we will be with you in just a bit. Thank you, listeners. I got a roof over my head. Oh my God. I got a warm place to sleep. So that's all I will wake up again. When I remember how
in sometimes seemingly small to extremely devastating ways. And this book, Opening to Grief, which started to be written in the beginning of 2020, but not because of COVID, just happens to be the timing is right, and it couldn't have been more appropriate, deals with all of that. You know, I mentioned some of the losses, and by comparison, they are seemingly small, but they're not. One of the losses is the loss of self, the way we lived prior to lockdowns and wearing masks to stay safe. And whenever there's loss, there's grief. And in this case, it's compounded by fear of how to live life fully when we can't go anywhere or be with anyone we choose to be with. And that also is a loss. So we're grieving all of this at the same time, along with any other devastating losses as well. So even just hearing the daily updates on the news, that hits you hard. You can't help but grieve for others. It becomes too much. And the symptoms, they're not just sorrow, as some would think. The list of symptoms is all-encompassing. Fear being among them, along with anger and anxiety, isolation, disorientation, hopelessness, depression, and so many more, so many more ways in which we as humans respond to loss. That's how we respond to loss. And, And let's not leave out the violence and destruction brutality we've witnessed on the news either, which only makes us wonder how all of this will impact our lives down the road. Will we ever be where we were and able to live freely? All of that, even though it may not be a direct hit to us as individuals, is still loss on top of loss on top of loss, it seems. And a lot of people turn to the works of Dr. Elizabeth Kupler-Ross, who developed the five stages of grieving, which has seemed to have been like the model and the proper way to grieve, I'll say. And it was used by psychologists and psychiatrists for decades to help patients go through the grieving process. So they kind of know where they are and what the next stage is. And then when you get to number five, bam, you're done. That's not how it works. I don't really like that whole theory, and that was written more than 50 years ago, and things have changed. We've come a long way since then, but still, that work has become quite popular, and it's still believed as the method to follow, but it's really not. You know, I, I know people who have grieved for years over the loss of a loved one, and while I do believe there's no timeline in processing our grief, I also believe if it gets to the point that someone is not able to enjoy life because they won't allow themselves to or function properly, then an intervention is necessary and you need to seek help from a professional who can help you see that life is a gift and it is worth living. And there is, you know, as hard as it may be for someone to believe, life after loss. So in that pain, and it can truly be physical pain, I have felt that pain, Sometimes the best way to deal with it is to just feel into it, if you will. You know, I've done some of that by getting outside, going into nature, walking, or even sitting by water, or practicing yoga, doing some meditation, and, of course, crying my eyes out. But once I did that enough, the crying, along with the pain, was less and less. But still, you know, to this day, I was, I was talking to someone this morning, when I decorate my Christmas tree, there are ornaments that were lives of, of people and pets and, ugh. I still get teary-eyed, but somehow 
those are no longer tears of sorrow, but rather I find them to be tears of gratitude. And I'm grateful for what those lies brought to my life and that I was blessed to have them in my life and cross paths with them. And, and while there are still tears, it's not the same as sorrowful tears. I miss them absolutely, but it is somehow softer on both my heart and soul because it stirs up the happy memories that I hold. And whenever that occurs, whatever the reminder, it doesn't have to be just Christmas time, it can be any time, I know in those moments that the spirit of those beings are right there with me. I firmly believe that. And for me, it's very visceral. And those tools I mentioned of getting outside and, and practicing yoga and doing things really work for me. So how you can help yourself and other people with the literal pain and hurt that comes with grief is to be there for them. You know, I'm a pediatric hospice volunteer. I haven't done that since COVID, to be honest, but I have gotten calls from people all the time, adults, and I work with them over the phone through a Zoom-like site for healthcare professionals. And throughout this pandemic, people have been talking about losses they experienced even decades ago. And I think part of the reason why they have those thoughts about decades ago is because they see something on TV and it triggers those losses and they wonder what life would be like if that person was still there with them and how they would handle it together, if you will, or what would be happening at that point, what that person would think. So a lot of things over the past year have been brought up, dredged up, triggered. And those simpler times that we think about, those memories, will of course include those that we have lost. So self-care as much as science, has proven over and over again that it's vital to our health. Self-care is still looked at, though, by many as a form of selfishness, which is really sad because it's not. Self-care and kindness to ourselves is particularly important when we're going through life-changing challenges. So during the grieving process, it's especially important because that is a major life challenge. And, you know, I think that Sometimes when things come up, one of the things I've seen people do is there are times when people feel guilt. And that, that guilt that they feel in the cases I've seen in hospice comes from the relief that they feel when someone passes. And it horrifies them that they feel guilty for feeling relief. The problem with that is the relief they feel is not relief that the person passed, not, not at all. The relief they feel is that the person they love is no longer suffering. But they can't in those moments that they're in, right then and there, think of that because they're only conscious of what they feel, the relief. And when the realization of what they feel strikes them, that's when they're horrified at themselves and immediately go to guilt because they can't interpret the relief properly. And it's such a quick process. I've seen it a hundred times at least. And when I see it, I address it so the person feeling the guilt doesn't go down the road of feeling guilty about feeling the guilt. It's a vicious circle. And with all that's happening at that time, they don't need to be beating themselves up about something they've misinterpreted. It's simply the fact person is no longer suffering. And that's, that's proper. That's okay to feel that way. It's, it's appropriate. You want them to be there, but you want them to be there whole and happy, not suffering. You know, something came up today. I had a friend call me this morning. 
very good friend, and her brother passed on Sunday night. He had ALS. And she said she thought she was prepared. And while I mentioned this briefly during the introduction, I, I feel so strongly to make this point now, no matter what the situation is. And many believe this when they have loved ones in hospice. You can never prepare for your reaction. You just can't. People think they can. You absolutely can't. It doesn't work that way. There is no one but you who knows what is happening within you. So surrounding yourself with loved ones, providing yourself with self-care in your way, in your own time, is critical to your process and vital to your well-being. I will add, no one, not anyone else, can or should tell you how much time you need or question what you want to do in any given moment as you process your grief or anything else for that matter, but particularly during the grieving process. We are so very vulnerable to others' words. And this this is not the time for anyone to do anything other than listen, support, care, and love you completely. That's the job of the rest of the world. If that's not happening, you know, you cut them off for the time being because they're not feeding you what you need that is good to nurture you and help you. They're not what you need in your life in these moments. It's always about support. It's always about care, and it's always about love. And there is never, ever, ever too much of that, and it is never, ever inappropriate. So I will tell you that in the book, there was something that really struck me that I liked a lot. I uh, I go to the beginning of the book, the opening to a grief book. There is a section called From the Authors. And that note starts with a quote by W.S. Merwin, and it reads, On the last day of the world, I would want to plant a tree. And I found that to be so beautiful. I find it to be so very poignant. It's a sign of faith. It says we know life does and will go on. And the final paragraph of the note from the author's section reads, We've seen how grief and love are intertwined. We grieve because we love. And we transform suffering and get through adversity by loving and helping each other. As we find ways to stay present, do what is right, persist against odds, we become like the poet W.S. Merwin and choose to plant a tree no matter what. So that's kind of a quick synopsis of of what I have found and and what is in the book to help you a few things that will help you get through the process. As I said, it's a short book. It's only about 100 pages, and it's not, you know, it's one of those five by seven books, something like that. So it's a quick read, but it is very beneficial. And this is a topic that a lot of people don't discuss because people fear death. They don't know how to react to it. They don't know what to do for a person. This book will help you. This book will help you to help yourself. This book will help you to help others. So if you have the opportunity, go on Amazon and click on Opening to Grief or type in Opening to Grief, Finding Your Way from Loss to Peace by Claire B. Willis and Marnie Crawford Samuelson. And I apologize that the authors were not able to be here this evening. I hope some of what I said has helped some of you. And I'm interested to hear any comments that you may have. And I wish you all well. And I hope that you'll be back next week to join me for another show here at Energy Awareness Radio. 
But for now, I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. Yeah. Hey.